0: I uh, prepared what I'm going to say this evening uh, ahead, well ahead of today and well ahead of the events of last evening in in the city of Derry stroke Londonderry, whatever you want to call it. Every day on our TV screens we watch scenes of violence, don't we? Films where it's all make-believe, but also through accounts of awful violence. Children shot in the head. Women put to death by the most brutal forms of torture. Men beheaded. But we come sort of desensitized to these realities of life in our world and in society today. How much more after 2,000 years of retelling the story of the cross, we've got to be very careful that we don't become desensitized to the events that took Jesus to the cross. The events in my life and in your life that led to the Son of God giving himself on a cross. My sin and your sin. And then there were the events that led up to that Friday. The events not just of the week before, but of the three years of his ministry before, and going right back to his being born into this world, the sinless Son of God. The death of Jesus was real. We're here tonight because the story of the cross is real. It's a true story. It's Not like other stories that we maybe were told as children. Uh, This is a true story. This is a real story. It was God bearing as a man the sins of the whole world. It was God bearing as a man my sin and your sin. Who was he? Who was this Jesus? That's what I want to take just a little bit of time that we've got this evening to Explore together. In John's Gospel, chapter 19, we read this that they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the Place of his Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews. But rather, this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. That's the first answer tonight to this question. Who was this man that was nailed to a cross? Well, above him there was a title that said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. He had been led to that cross. He'd gone to that cross the longest route possible. That was the custom when it came to a crucifixion so that everyone could see, as many as possible people, the Romans would want to see for themselves the brutality of a crucifixion. Because they would want to put fear into everyone who would watch and who would observe. As Jesus makes his way towards the cross, it's the longest route possible that he takes, the route that has become known as the Via Dolorosa. It's an interesting route because today it's full of markets and people buying and selling it was like that then as well we kind of think it was a lonely road somewhere that Jesus traveled but there was hustle there was bustle there was life going on as usual there's hundreds probably thousands of people engaged in the in the in the market as the son of God was heading towards a cross to pay for my sin and for yours When he arrived, there would be, and there was the horror of the crucifixion. One Bible commentator sums it up like this. He says, the buzzing clouds of flies about the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the nerves, the repeated torture of back and arms as it is time after time for breath's sake hitched up, if I may dare the biological image, God is a host who deliberately creates his own parasites, causes us to be that, we may exploit and take advantage of Him here in his love. This is the diagram of love himself, the inventor of all loves. The physical agony of the cross was brutal but that was insignificant compared to the bearing of our sin that a sinless god did in our place to press the point home two criminals are crucified on either side of him positioned between them it's the ultimate humiliation crucified between two common criminals Isaiah had foretold that when he said in verse 12 of chapter 53, I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Then there is that notice above the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Jesus had made a lot of claims about himself already. This is just another one. There's the claim here that he's the King of the Jews. Already Jesus in his lifetime had claimed that he was God. He claimed that he was the Son of God. He'd said he was the way, that he was the truth, that he was the life. He'd said that he was the light of the world that he was the bread of life. He had said that he was the resurrection and the life. He said that if people believed on him, they'd have eternal life. He said lots and lots of things, making lots and lots of claims. The Jewish rulers rejected all those claims. They handed him over to Pilate to be crucified. It's true, his claims were quite shocking If you had been around in the days of Jesus, you would have found them really shocking. But because we've become familiar with them, their impact kind of is in danger of passing us by. Someone saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What a shocking claim. What an incredible claim question tonight is do we in Willowfield Church accept his claims? Do we really accept his claims? Is he for us? For you personally the son of God who died on a cross for you? Is he tonight for me and for you and for each of us the son of God who was raised to life again? Have we decided? Have we accepted his claims. One Bible teacher said this, a man called Stephen Gock Rogers said, if Jesus didn't die on the cross as God's perfect sacrifice for our sins and if he didn't really rise from the dead so that we too might have victory over death, then there's no point in being a Christian. Christianity would be just a lot of useless words with no substance. We might as well be idiots and do whatever seems best to us. But if Jesus really was God, Then we must believe in him as our Savior with all of our hearts. We must totally give our lives over to his Lordship and we must bow down to him in adoration and praise. Have you decided? Have I decided? Have we decided that he is and was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, the King of Kings? God Himself on a cross. We believe He was. Secondly, not only was He a king, but He was a priest. The great high priest. We read elsewhere in John 19 when the soldiers had crucified Him, they took His garments and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier, also His tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to seize whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. Now, high priests back in those days performed religious rituals. The rituals were performed to help bring God to people and to help bring people to God. For example, they would sacrifice doves, they would sacrifice lambs, there was Lots of sacrificial stuff that went on in the temple. The temple was quite a, it was a place of blood. It was a bit like a, the back of a butcher's shop, actually, in some ways. And, and the, the priests in those days were involved in the sacrificial system. And they wore long garments. They wore one particular garment that was seamless. And that symbolized that the Jewish people were one people. And it symbolized that they had one God. It symbolized too that there only was one God, the one true God. And here Jesus goes to a cross wearing a seamless garment. He makes his way towards Calvary wearing a seamless garment. He was the greatest high priest. In fact, he would be the last high priest that would ever really be needed. Even though there still are priests in the Jewish religion, they're not needed. And I say that respectfully because Jesus paid it all. He paid the price in full. His blood was shed for the sins of all. His blood was shed for the sins of every one. C.S. Lewis said that the cross is the diagram of love himself, the initiator of all loves. Love is the son of God hanging by his arms, his muscles paralyzed and unable to respond. Love is God's son fighting to raise himself in order to get just one short breath. Love is carbon dioxide mounting in the lungs, cramps partially subsiding, allowing our Lord to push himself spasmodically upward for life-giving oxygen. This is a picture of God's love. Still, it is only suggestive of his deeper love, his willingness to bear our sin and to suffer separation from his beloved Father. He was the great high priest who paid the full and perfect sacrifice once and for all. Oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. King of kings, great high priest. Thirdly, he was in every sense a man. There's these lovely verses where he, from the agony of the cross, from the brutality of the physical suffering and from the awfulness of bearing the sins of the world, notices his mother and notices his beloved friend, the disciple John. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. There's incredible pain and agony and suffering and turmoil as Jesus hangs on the cross, but he's doing it out of love, and we see that love in his concern for his mother, his tenderness, his tender words, the reality of his real deep concern, his heart that's full of compassion, and that's more concerned even then about the practical needs of his mother and of John than of his own needs. He's concerned about his mother. He's concerned for John. And he was concerned for each of us too as he hung and suffered. He gave his life in obedience to his father for me and for you. He gave his life willingly for me and for you. There's a bunch of women actually standing Nearby, it says in verse 25, standing by the cross of Jesus where his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. Women whose lives had been impacted by the Savior of humankind. But these women are there because they love him. That's why they're there. And tonight... How much do we love Jesus? It's an appropriate question to ask any day, any hour of any day, of any Christian and of any believer. But especially tonight, how much do you love the Lord Jesus? Ask him to help you to love him more. Ask him by his Spirit to help you to love him more and more and more as your years would pass by. Do we become maybe too casual? Do we take what Jesus did for us too much for granted? Are we really passionately in love with Jesus Christ? Are we really, really thankful for the cross tonight? And for all that he did for us. As these words of a beautiful poem. Love is warm as tears. Love is tears. Pressure within the brain. Tension at the throat. Words of poetry. Words of prose. Cannot express his love for us. Let's ask him to increase our love for him. We read. After this Jesus knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scriptures I thirst and a jar full of sour wine stood there so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth when Jesus had received the sour wine he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit and Jesus said it was finished all the scriptures about his crucifixion had in that moment been fulfilled. Paul would write, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. All the details that had been predicted by the prophets have been fulfilled. But there's a depth, there's a depth to the words of Jesus that I think goes beyond our understanding. It is finished. There was something going on in the heavens. There was something going on in the heart of God. There was something going on in the heart of the Father. There was something going on that the Holy Spirit was aware of. There was something going on in heaven that was so much more than our words or our human capacity to think is able to grapple with or to grasp. The finishing of all the known and unknown sufferings which he came to endure, yes, they were finished. The ceremonial law that he'd come to fulfill, yes, all of that was finished. The many prophecies about his journey to the cross and his death on the cross, yes, they were all fulfilled and finished. The work of mankind's redemption, yes, it was all done. It was all finished. But as someone has put it, the place whereupon we stand is still holy ground. In handling the language of such a being as our Savior on such an occasion and at so mysterious a crisis of his history, it is well to be cautious. The place whereon we stand. Is holy ground. Because of it all, though we know this, you can be totally forgiven. There is nothing in your life that now cannot be forgiven. There is no one in this church tonight that now cannot become a follower of Jesus. And all of us can know the depths. Of his love. Paul said, Who is to condemn Christ Jesus as the one who died more than that who was raised to life, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who was he? King of the Jews. Who was he? The perfect high priest. Who was he, Son of God? Yet in every sense, a man who had emptied himself of all the privileges of the Godhead. Finally, the Apostle John and others saw it all. But we're looking at John's verses tonight. He saw how the legs of the two soldiers, either side of Jesus, were broken to speed up their process of dying but that when the soldiers came to Jesus, he was already dead. John saw that. He saw that. He saw the flow of blood and the flow of water from Jesus' side, attesting that Jesus was dead. There was no need to doubt it anyway because Roman soldiers knew how to do their job well. And Jesus Christ was dead. He would say, he who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. He said, for these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. We can build our future. We can build our whole lives, friends. You can build your whole life. Not just part of your life not just bits of your life, not just the bits that you've given, but the bits that you've yet to give. You can build your whole life on Jesus Christ because it's true. It's true. He did it all for you and for me. Lifted up was he to die it is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven, exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Lord, I pray and I ask that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would do now a deep, deep, deep thing. In all our lives, as we come, Lord, with different needs, different stuff, different parts of our lives that need to be, Lord, brought underneath the cross, have your way, Lord Jesus, we pray. Crucified and risen Christ, ascended, Lord, have your way in each of our lives for your love's sake amen